Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 315 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So thrilled that you are here with me today as we are talking to Nigel Bartlett, and we had a wonderful conversation on traditional versus indie. Um, We talked about how to choose what book to write next. We talked about uh, the beauty and awesomeness of masterminds. So please stick around for all of that. Uh, What has been going on around here? Well, I missed a week. It has been a week. I will get into that in just a moment. It's not a a big deal. Uh, But I first wanted to tell you what I forgot to tell you two weeks ago, the last time I talked to you, something very, very, very exciting. My friend Sasha Black and I have a new little venture. And you may know Sasha from her show, The Rebel Author Podcast, which if you're not listening to it, uh, you should be. It'll blow your mind. She's amazing. And I just love talking to her. And I love the way her brain works. And I love the way my brain works when it pops off against hers. We're both kind of full of spark and fire, but we we uh, we act on that spark and fire differently. We are different enough to make our conversation super, super interesting and fun. And um, she's just awesome. So I reached out to her and I said, do you want to talk maybe once a month or so and then record it and then post it as a bonus on both of our podcasts? So you can get early access to listen to our conversations um, if you join either of our Patreons. My Patreon is at patreon.com slash Rachel. And right now, the very first video of us chatting is up there. Eventually, I will figure out how to put that into an RSS feed. I already know that I should do that. And I know where to go look to do that, but I haven't done it yet. But it is over there in the Patreon. It will be up there um, each conversation that we have. will be up there for about a month before we post it to uh, our respective podcast feeds. So if you don't join Patreon, you'll eventually hear it. But if you do, you get that little bonus of hearing us at whatever level you choose to join. So um, we're calling it the Black Heron, Sasha Black, Rachel Heron. And it's so fun. It's already so fun. So I had to tell you about that. Um, Yes, check Sasha out no matter what. What else has been going on? I have been revising and it's so fun. It's the developmental edits and I... I'm very pleased that I did a good enough job with this book that the developmental edits are quite light and enjoyable. The kind of thing where I sit down and I tell myself I must revise 35 pages because for some reason I usually revise in thousands of words, but this time I'm doing it in pages. And uh, and suddenly I've revised 40 or 50 because I'm just I'm just in it and it's just fun and it's not hard. So that has been a super, super happy, wonderful thing to be. You know that I love revision the best, especially this kind of light revision. It's just, oh, it's mm, it's like eating ice cream. I swear to God. Um, the week before, two weeks ago, I was at RWNZ, Romance Writers of New Zealand, and I was honored enough to um, be a keynote speaker there. I got to talk about uh, my journey as a hybrid author, um, and a hybrid author means that you're both indie published, self-published, and traditionally published. So I gave a 45-minute talk on that, and I kind of committed to reading it on the podcast too, kind of giving you a bonus episode of that, because it was interesting, and I just have not had any time to do that. Um, 
but I will. I also got to talk about revision and I got to be on a panel. And the best part was that I got to see so many amazing writers and meet them in person. People that I have talked to on Twitter and online and email and meet the spa girls in person. Another great podcast you should be listening to and hanging out with my friend, AK Mulford and Anne Butter. And um, I just lost Anne's pen name in my head, uh, but it, it will come back to me and um, Moira and these people who are in my heart now because I moved to New Zealand and I knew that the writers would catch me and they have and I love love my writing friends and I love that I got to make more and hang out um, and the conference was beautiful and the speakers were amazing and I learned so much and it absolutely killed me. I, it was my first conference in three years and uh, since COVID and I absolutely stressed myself into the worst abdominal migraine I've ever had in my entire life. Um, you may know that the, the gut is a brain, just like the brain is a brain. Uh, the gut is your second brain and people who suffer migraines often get abdominal migraines. And if you have get migraines and you've never heard that before, but you get stomach aches as well, talk to your doctor. Uh, it's really, really common. And every once in a while we'll get, when I get a, an abdominal migraine, I get this thing called gastroparesis. I am laughing, but it, I would rather have an F5 level 10 uh, migraine of the head because then at least I can take all the drugs that I have and go to sleep um, with this kind of abdominal migraine. Basically your, your stomach goes into paralysis but, but you don't know it for a while. So for two days, I was just feeling really sick, but trying to treat it with more water and good food. And um, in the meantime, my stomach's not doing anything, not even processing water. So uh, by Sunday morning, which was the last day of the event, I gave an hour revision talk. Not sure I was not going to be sick on stage. Um, and then I managed to sit in the audience for the next speaker and then I had to drive home. I only lived 10 minutes away from where the hotel was, where I was actually staying as well, which was cool. And I got home just in time and I spent the next three days so beyond ill and in so much pain. Oh, it was absolutely miserable. It was so, um, the reason I'm saying this is that I need to learn how to get better with boundaries around my energy and what I am doing with energy. I really came home and I said to myself, you know, on day two and a half of that pain, I was like, I can't ever, I'm never doing another speaking gig ever, anywhere, ever. You cannot talk me into going through this. But then I realized that's silly. It wasn't about the conference. It had nothing to do with the conference. It had to, which was lovely. It had to do with me and how I was not respecting any boundary that I should have put on myself because this is what it was, is that I would go out and do my work and then I would get to speak to awesome new people, which just excites me to a level, which is uncomfortable. Um, I, get, I, get, <laughs> I get really anxious. It's all about anxiety and managing anxiety, honestly. And, uh, and then in the downtime, instead of going to my hotel room, which they graciously gave me, even though I live 10 minutes away, uh, Instead of going to my hotel room and, you know, lying there and quiet, pulling the curtains, I would go hang out with my friends, which kept my anxiety and, and not anxiety, but my energy level really, really high. Plus I was super, super anxious about COVID. Um, I still have, you know, the PTSD of living 
in the United States during the time before we had the vaccine and um, and then moving here. And it's everywhere here now, of course, as it is everywhere else. And Lala and I have escaped it so far. And I was just too anxious about it. Like I went to the cocktail party and almost melted down. Well, not almost. I did melt down. I did melt down by myself in my room. Um, but managing anxiety and managing my energy has to be priority number one when I do these things. Because uh, it wasn't. It was worth it. It was totally worth it. But while I was that sick, it did not feel worth it. So um, this is also just a reminder to you. Are you managing your boundaries and your need for alone time if you are a person who needs that? I act like an extrovert, but I am a total introvert. I get all of my energy from being alone. It is, oh my goodness. Yes, I do. So um, I have to keep an eye on that. And I will be keeping an eye on that moving forward. So I am glad to have learned that. And I'm also glad that uh, now I have some medication to deal with the gastroparesis. I saw the doctor two days ago. So that's great. So I'm not as scared of having my stomach go paralyzed again, as it has done a few times in the past. Um, and then on Thursday, I guess, of last week, which is normally when I put the podcast out, I learned that a very good friend of mine died and it was, it was out of the blue. He was older, but he was healthy. And he was a man I really loved, a man I knew from my, uh, excuse me, from my recovery program. And uh, so I'd known him for about four and a half years and uh, was one of the most precious and special people to me. And losing, I'm, I'm crying happy tears because I, I knew this man because he was my friend. And the reason I'm telling you about it is that on Thursday, I just that was, a, that was the first day I was really up and about. I managed to get up and teach on Wednesday and then go right back to bed. But on Thursday, I got up and I was starting to work. And then that happened. And I just decided to ixnay the whole equay. I nixed the week. I was not going to do a podcast. I owed my students um, uh, some editing and some question and answer videos for the week because I'd been too sick to do them earlier in the week, which is when I usually do them. And I just told them, I can't. I am not going to. And I listened to myself about setting the boundary and shutting down when we need to shut down and taking care of ourselves when we need to take care of ourselves. We can um, push and push and push and push. And sometimes we have to stop pushing. And that includes our writing. That includes our relationships. That includes our jobs. Um, there is something in incredibly beautiful about New Zealand and the work ethic here. Wow, I'm tangenting. Anyway, it's been a while since we chatted, so I hope you don't mind that I'm tangenting all over the place. Um, in New Zealand, people work nine to five, or really they work nine to four. And they have a long lunch break and a morning tea and an afternoon tea, and they have a month off and the summer holidays in December, January, um, plus pretty much unlimited time off all the other times when you need it. Um, and people are home by five. They're, they're home with their families by five. Most stores are shut by five or six. A couple of grocery stores will stay up until nine. Um, but that's it. Nothing is open at night except like restaurants and, you know, the movie theater, but, um, but people don't work like they do in America. And also this happened Twice in the last two weeks, I heard friends talking about, I, um, it was either them or uh, once it was my friend and once it was a friend of a friend who just was having some pretty rough mental health and 
called their GP and got put out for a week. Um, and my other friend got put out for two weeks. They just needed two weeks off and it's not a big deal. Like they're still getting paid and their work. I know that in my old jobs, I mean, I know I worked in paramilitary organizations for 911, but, um, that would have been, you would have been in so much trouble. You would have been looked down on so hard that you were unable to fulfill the the role that you are supposed to be doing. We we ignore mental health in the United States quite a bit, um, and just the fact that people here go, yeah, no, and, and it's not even a big deal. Like one of my friends just said, I just, I was just really tired. I just needed some sleep, so I took the week off, and you know, and her work understood, and that being modeled to me is something I'm trying to take on board, and I don't have to work ten hours a day. I am a workaholic. Um, I'm trying to quit working by 3 p.m. Oh, she said reluctantly. And I normally start at 7 a.m. So that's not really cutting back on much, but it's not working until five or six and allowing myself on Thursday to have the day. Just, just, I just went back to bed. I just watched reality television on my cracked screen of my phone. And that's all I needed to do. Um, and I did quite a similar thing on Friday. And then on Saturday and Sunday, instead of catching up on work, I took my first weekend off in months uh, because I was so busy revising and then with the conference and we'd gone out of town for a couple of weeks. And so I hadn't felt like, you know, a weekend just at home doing things. We went on a, we went on a hike. If you follow me on Instagram, go look at Rachel Heron. And um, you could see the the baby lamb that we can, we, there were so many that all the lambs had just been born. I almost was able to touch a lamb that was still wet from being born. We were the first humans that these lambs, d twins and triplets running all over the place, um, had ever seen. And it was so cool. And that was because I let myself off the hook. And in writing, we talk a lot about, you know, how can we push ourselves? How can we make ourselves do the work? Yes, that is important. Yes, that can help us get work done. But we also have to be so ultimately kind to ourselves. And that looks different for different people. For me, being kind to myself means making myself take a break. For other people, being kind to themselves as writers means making themselves do 15 minutes of work so they don't feel guilty about letting another day pass without writing. So I want you to ask yourself what being kind to yourself as a writer really looks like, and then act on that. And I would love to hear about it. I really, really would. Um, I, y'all, I get the best, I get the best emails I have also. Wow. I'm chatty. Um, set up the best email responder ever. You should email me just to get it. Uh, <laughs> because I was really feeling overwhelmed with email. And now my email responder has all of these choices. Like, um, it says you can get a hold of me in this method. If it is urgent. Um, if you're a student, hit me here. Uh, if you are writing to say thank you for something, here's how I feel about that. Um, and uh, oh, it's it's good. It's funny. I like it. And it's making me feel more relaxed about email even. I'm really choosing to set some boundaries in order to find greater relaxation and kindness for myself as a writer. And then that allows me to be generous and kind and loving to the people and the writers around me. And I freaking love that. I'd love, I love that so much. Where was I going with the email? Oh yes. I wanted you to tell me how you are getting your own writing done. Cause I love to get those emails, even if I don't respond back to them or don't respond back to them in a timely, timely manner. They mean the world to me. Um, speaking of being kind to ourselves as writers, I am in about 45 minutes going to leave to go on writer retreat. I did this six months ago. I had done it a couple times before, but not really seriously. I'm taking this seriously. 
nowadays. I am able to do that. I am um, privileged enough to be able to go away. Every six months is my goal, is my goal to go away for three or four days all by myself because like I said, I get the most energy and inspiration from being very, very much alone, which, you know, none of us have been since 2019. Um, so I've got this little cottage or I think it's kind of like a tiny home um, that's on the edge of a cliff looking at the ocean and there's a bathtub outside under the stars. So I plan on living in that and there's nothing around. There's no Wi-Fi. Um, there might not be cell. So I don't know. Uh, I may be 100% cut off, which is absolutely fine. Although I do like to use Marco Polo to talk to my, my lovies. Um, and if that's okay, if I can't, all I've got is books. I've got some thinking to do about my next project. Um, I may do a little revision, but I did work out calendar wise so that I don't have to do revision if I don't want to. I'm going to listen to, it's a four hour drive. So I'm going to listen to so many podcasts and I'm going to hike. And that is it. I'm going to sleep, eat, hike, read, and write. That's it. I cannot wait. I guess this episode is me talking about knowing what we need as humans and attempting to make that happen. And I am in a position of privilege. And some of you are listening to this who have three jobs and four kids and are like, shut up, Rachel. Um, and I accept that. And I, I know that is, that is hard. Can you find the five minutes in your day right before you go to sleep to tell yourself how amazing you are, that you are a writer, that you are doing your work. Even if today, all you could do was four sentences and two and a half minutes of thinking about it and a couple of jotted notes. That counts. That is work. You're listening to me while you're doing something. You're listening to this interview with Nigel coming up. That is also working. I want you to be proud of yourself. So let's jump into the interview with Nigel. Here is Nigel's bio. Nigel Bartlett is a freelance writer and editor who has worked for many of the best-known magazines in Australia. He lives in the inner Sydney suburb of Redfern. Talking about King of the Road's main character, David Kingsgrove, he says... In many ways, David is who I'd like to be, physically fit, a loving uncle, and a good friend, although he does have flaws. He doubts himself and lacks confidence, but he discovers his strength by being pushed to his most extreme limits. This is a gorgeous conversation with Nigel, and you're just going to love him. Please enjoy, and I will talk to you very soon, my friends. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, hello there. I'm so pleased to welcome you to the show today. Would you please share your name with us and your pronouns? Hi there, Rachel. Um, my name is Nigel Bartlett and I am, I am he, him and his Thank you very much. Nigel, this is a different kind of show today. Um, and the reason we are chatting is that you sent me a lovely, lovely, lovely email telling me a little bit about yourself and wondering if I do coaching, um, which I, I used to do, and I just don't have time to do it anymore. Uh, but I, I just loved everything that you were asking. And I, and I wrote back and said, um, do you want to talk about this on the show? Because then we both get something very cool out of it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Just that, even just to have the opportunity to talk to you, like this is really fantastic. I, I yeah, feel very excited indeed. I'm thrilled. Will you tell us a little bit about your, um, where you come to writing from? Sure. Okay. 
Um, so for many years, I worked in magazines um, as a, um, uh, mainly as a, a sub-editor, which I think American people would know as um, copy editor, um, but also as a, a writer. Um, uh, and I was freelance for quite a long time. Um, so this is my day job that I'm talking about. I then moved into the digital world for different websites and that sort of thing. I now, my day job now is writing for government websites. Um, and in terms of creative writing, um, a long time ago, it feels, back in about 98 or 99, I, I was sitting at my desk thinking, oh, it must be more to life. <laughs> and um, I'd always wanted to write um, fiction. So I started signing up for evening classes. And um, to sort of cut a bit of a long story short, I ended up doing a master's in writing at uh, one of the local universities here. Um, which I loved. And then the project that I worked on for that became my first book, the first published book, um, which is King of yes, the Road. Fantastic. <laughs> well, that's a great uh, cover. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yes, it's, um, it's quite different from what I expected. That It ended up being published in Germany as well, and that was actually what I expected. More uh, the, the, so the German one has the Australian kind of red, red rimmed yeah. black road. And the one you held yeah. up before, if you'd hold that up again, is um, the image of, a, of a, a blue, a dark blue sky with lights on the road around it. Yeah, but right. um, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Atmospheric. But I love this one as well. Yeah, I love this one as well. Um, um, yes. Uh, um, so it ended up being published in 2015. And that was kind of my life dream, I guess, really, to be published. Um, and that was Penguin Random House Australia. So that's right. Yeah. Major yeah. So publisher. That, yeah. You know, another big life dream, you know, like to be published by a big, big publishing house. Yeah. Um, which that's part of me, I think, you know, um, which we can talk about later. Uh, got really well reviewed um, in ma mainstream media, shortlisted for a crime fiction award as debut, de debut fiction for that year. Um, so, you know, for me, it was all like, oh, yes, fantastic, fantastic. Um, and then I've just, so that was 2015, and I've just submitted my second manuscript to my, the same publisher. I don't have a deal for that, but they do, in my contract, um, they want to see the next thing that I wrote. Um, so so what that means for people listening yeah. is that it, when they when they have that right of first refusal, basically, if you write within the genre, they stipulate in the contract, it means that if you write another book in that genre, you must offer it to them first, you have agreed to that. And they can either say, yes, we want it, here's what we want to offer you, and then, or they can say no, and then if they offer you something that you don't want to accept, you can say no. So it's not ironclad that they have to publish it. And it's not ironclad that you have to accept it for anybody listening who's wondering okay. about that. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, I feel um, very excited that I have, you know, I have a way into a publisher, you know, already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was very relieved. And I know it sounds a bit strange, but, you know, it seems like the dream would, might be to get a three book deal or two book deal. But I know that the way that I wrote, write or have written up till now is that, you know, if I needed to produce another book in a year or whenever they, or even two years, it would be very difficult for me to do. So um, it kind so of- that was kind of perfect for you. Exactly, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a certain amount of pressure though, I think that came with it in that a lot of, a lot of the way, along the way with writing the second 
manuscript um there was a lot of um self-talk of oh what will the publisher think well oh, is it the same as, is it going to yeah. be as good as the first one is it the same is it too much too similar to the first one and lots of that sort of self-talk do you have an agent I do yes 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 and uh, what so what kind of pressure comes from your agent very little actually okay. um um very hands-off I'd say um um my agent I've been with the same company a same agency but a person the person has changed three mm-hmm. times and um um you know we catch up from time to time but it's very much oh yeah when you're ready Nigel you know let us know um and so yes no 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 pressure from her and um um you know she keeps me informed as as you know did you have the same editor to deliver it to when you delivered the second book or because so often writers get orphaned in between books you know the the public the, the editor will go somewhere else I think we may use a different terminology here for mm. editor. Maybe so. Um, I refer to the person who I dealt with at the publishing house as my publisher. Uh, oh, right, yeah. And in America, publisher means the boss of all the editors. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so she's still the same. Um, I Good. believe she's now moved up. She's now more senior. Yeah. Uh, for me, what I, my understanding of editor is the person who will edit, you know, do the structural edits and all that sort of thing. So I know that that person has moved on. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, then maybe we are talking about the same thing because um, right, at, at U.S. houses, the editor who buys it will do the structural edit. But if you're dealing with a publisher, you're dealing with somebody who's making top, top level com- uh, decisions. Oh, and I think, I think you've got both of that going on. You've got the publisher top level decision, and then it would go to an editor for the structural All right. So these are both crime thrillers and they both feature a gay male protagonist, um, which I love. And you gave me a little blurb here. The the first uh, King of the Road is when is about what happens when David's 11 year old nephew disappears while David is looking after him for the weekend. I mean, what what a high concept right there. Like I must must pick it up and read it. Um, So then you delivered your second book and now you're just waiting on that what is going on in your writing life right now what are you thinking about right so um so after I delivered the the second book which is actually back in February now um I thought I need to reward myself so I you know I was going to buy myself something and then I haven't bought myself some anything but I <laughs> in a way <laughs> my reward at the moment is I'm just taking it easy because it's you know it's been a long time and lots of roller coaster emotions which people who aren't writers may not understand or people who write in a different way may not understand so I'm just like okay chill out chill out but also yeah got the urge to write something else so I've got two ideas in mind one um I don't know shall I go into detail about them or However, what I'm doing is I'm reaching for a pad because you might hear me scribbling things, which is what I do. Um, Whatever you are comfortable with going into detail. I don't believe that people steal ideas and even if they did, but I know that some people, it might kill a little bit of the buzz to talk about it. So you get to decide. Yeah. So one one idea I would think would be um, more appealing for traditional publishing. And um, I've suffered a lot with claustrophobia and anxiety over the years i've had treatment for it and um, you know what your your, well. your audio broke exactly as you said what oh. you were suffering from <laughs> what was the was oh, it... 
claustrophobia. No, okay. The important point, claustrophobia and okay. uh, anxiety, I guess. Yeah. So mainly claustrophobia, but then at, at times generalized anxiety, but claustrophobia mm -hmm. is the main one from a really young age. And, um, um, you know, I, I, these days I go in lifts 95% of the elevators, 95% of the time. I, I can go on trains that go under the ground, <coughs> underground. Um, but when I go back to London, I don't love the tube. I sort of avoid the tube. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. um, and if I go on a long flight from, from Australia, where I live, back to England, where I'm from, um, you know, halfway through the flight, I'm like, oh, I, I want to get out. But, yeah. I, but I manage it through all the things I've learned. So this book, fiction, this novel would be, uh, would use that as the basis for the character. And, um, uh, you know, I feel quite excited about it. I don't really have a full plot in mind. I have a beginning and an end uh, and the sort of premise. What would the genre oh. be? Oh, I think it would be for uplit. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, that's my understand of you know my understanding of uplit might not be fully but it's a male character so yeah i like that uplit is so often spoken about with uh with women's fiction um mm. and what i understand about uplit and you tell me if you know this to be different but it's um it's you know commercial fiction that is <laughs> that is the opposite of mislit misery lit it's it's a uh, uh light uh, attempts to be lighthearted but can have deep themes what do you think right okay 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 yeah yes well hopefully it'll be lighthearted. i think i may be able to write with uh humor i think i think i can write with not you know not like cracking one line as every other right, sentence right. You know, as a general feeling of humor i think that probably comes naturally na fairly naturally to me i don't know um, okay and what's the other book idea that you have so the other one I have thought of as being an indie publishing um, a book, I was going to mm -hmm. say exercise, but actually it would be a book. It would be something I'd want to publish. Yeah. Um, and um, it would be more, um, and I, the reason for that, I think, is because it's more, um, I feel it's more focused at gay male readers. Not necessarily, but that's what I feel it might be. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, I don't want to go too much into the story, but it's sort of set in the early 2000s. Um, someone who's, okay, I will tell you the story. It's someone who's living that very party lifestyle, mm -hmm. meets the man of his dreams, can't stop the party lifestyle mm -hmm. <laughs> and all that goes with it. Yeah. But he wants the man of his dreams. So how, you know, how, how can he, you know, how can he resolve these issues in his, in his life? Lovely. Um, yeah, it's one. Okay. It's, it was actually my first manuscript that I got set set aside, put it in a bottom drawer. So it may be that it's like leave it in that bottom drawer, Nigel. But but who knows? When was the last time you looked at it? Recently, actually, I it's all in here. It's in the rich board. There's about <laughs> ten of ten or twelve of these. Written, Are those handwritten? Handwritten. <laughs> Handwritten, handwritten. Oh, that's amazing. So that you have never even put them into the computer. No, but what I've been doing. I think I that's, that's good. <laughs> that, that, when, that way, if you if you decided to move them from the paper onto the into the computer, you'll be doing like that, you know, that first draft edit as, as you go too. 
Possibly, yeah. D during the second manuscript, all the times I got fed up with it, I was like, right, that's it, not writing, I'm fed up with crime. And I'd go up into our roof space, get that box down, and I'd look at, I'd be like, this is what I want to write. And I'd be like, oh no. And I'd put it back in the roof space. <laughs> it was my. So it has been I'd, calling to you for a long time. I think it has, yeah, yeah. How did you draft your, um, your crime novels? Was that on the computer or by hand? On the computer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what I've been doing with this just recently is I discovered Dictate in Microsoft Word. Mm -hmm. I've been sitting there, you know, on a Saturday morning dictating um, some of the, the, you know, the the notebooks. Oh, that's a great way to do it. And meanwhile, yeah. I've also um, played around with some opening scenes for the claustrophobia story as well to see if I can find the character that sort of thing so what are you feeling about these two books what are you lay some mm. questions on me well I think one of my questions is um it's a lot to do with indie publishing and traditional publishing mm -hmm. uh, which I think I find really interesting I have always wanted to be traditionally published and I have been, you know, I have been, that's my life dream. I have been, you know, mm -hmm. it was, you know, mm -hmm. um, and yet I listen to a lot of people talking about indie publishing and hear a lot of the benefits and all that sort of thing. And there's something within me that can't quite get past it, you know, can't get mm -hmm. like this being a thing to do. Um, and yet also I feel, I feel like, well, this could be a really freeing thing to do, you know, that, that, that I can, work on this the, the project that I see as an indie publishing thing I don't need to worry about you know much as I love my agent and I love my publisher and I love you know the idea of being you know being published in that way I can write this and it could be me you know it's just me yes. it's just nice you know yeah. and if I want to put a different name on it I can you know um, mm -hmm. um, I love the idea of discovering all the ways of promoting and formatting and all, all that businessy side of it um yeah um I don't know if I really went very far down that so so down that track I think what I was I think one of the things I put in my email to you was what I like when I hear you talking is that you're a hybrid publisher mm -hmm. so I suppose um there yeah. was this there was this um study that came out a few years ago it was by data, data, data earnings guy. What was his name? I can't remember. Um, the guy who was anonymous for a while and then was unmasked, but he proved that hybrid authors make the most money on average mm -hmm. because you really do have a foot in either stream and you can pivot um, and do what you want. But what I'm hearing in your voice is something that I also um, have grappled with and, and share is this, I, I have an ego and I want... <laughs> When I say to somebody, oh, my new book, I, I, you know, my, my new book just released, I want them to say, oh, can I get it? You know, at Barnes and Noble or Waterstones or wherever I want to be able to say, of course you can, it's on, it's on the front shelf. And I still grapple with that feeling for myself public books was saying, no, no, but you can get it anywhere. You can order it at your independent bookstore. It's probably not going to be on the shelf there, but you can order it anywhere and do all that. So that is kind of a, um, an interior quality of feeling if that makes sense how do you is that does that reflect what you feel yes yeah absolutely and I, I think because um 
growing up, you know, it was very much about, you know, the people I knew who read mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, read books that are bought in books, bookstores. And, and, uh, and obviously that was the case because that's what it was like when I was growing up. Um, but equally now it's a bit like saying, um, oh, I'll only watch a program on a TV program on such and such, a ch- you know, such yeah. and such a highbrow TV channel. Yes. When, when in fact, you know, there's a wealth of other providers. And maybe uh, even a, 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 a bigger example of that would be for music. Like if you're listening to Spotify or Tidal and they're playing a radio station for you. And you're like, oh my God, I love this song. I love this song. I love this song. You're not running to the computer to check to make sure it was on a major label. We don't care if that's an indie, and we don't care if that's a kid in his garage making music and putting it out. If we love it, we love it. And I think we're at that time with books, which I really like. Something I want to point out to you that when you talk about the, the indie project, you do sparkle. You do get a smile on your face when you talk about going up to visit it in the attic. I think this is important for you. Um, when I was finishing, uh, the memoir that my agent has right now called complete, I was, I'm not sure if you're caught up on the podcast or not, but, um, I was 100% going towards indie publishing for it because I have really enjoyed the experience of getting the rights back for my memoir, a life in stitches and re-releasing it on my own self-published, uh, and then what, but what that did was really amazing. It gave me that total freedom to do exactly what I wanted with it. I hired my own editor who I chose and I did my own edits the way I wanted to do them. And I took what I wanted from the editor and I left behind what I didn't. And, and I, I feel like I'm in right now, this kind of wonderful, beautiful spot of deciding to give it to my agent to see mm. if she can sell it. And I, and I honestly, I can, I think I'm being pretty honest here when I say, of me does not care if she comes back to me in three months and says, I, you know, I just, I couldn't get any any interest. I know you wanted it back in three months and you're going to have to self-publish it. I really believe that 98% of me is going to go, yes. And 2% of me or 3% of me will be like, oh, well, you know, shucks, nobody wanted it. But the excitement that I still have around doing everything my way after that is so high and I wonder if that wouldn't be fun for you. Write the indie intended book to the best of your ability, get it edited. And if on a random Tuesday you go, you know, I'll let my agent take it out for a minute and see if anybody wants it. Yeah. Because of course you could always go with a, you know, a pen name out in uh, publishing land too. But you do have, you do have a pipeline. You do have an agent who can take it to the editor you've been with or the publisher you've been with or someone else. Um, but I would say it, I would say focus on the ex- perhaps, and this is, you know, the advice is literally worth what you paid for, which is nothing. Um, but write it with the intent, the the intent to indie publish it. Yeah. Yeah. It is so freeing. Yeah. That makes so much sense actually, because um I did hear that hear you talk about that. Um I do listen every week <laughs> um, and uh, I, I noted it because I thought oh that's really interesting um, that you can you know it, it, yes just go down a path of this is what I'm doing you know it's, it's sort of that age-old advice that you often hear anyway write it for yourself yes um, but it's very hard to do I find it's very hard to do it's like I'm always I think it's you know. I think it's almost impossible to do. And the only way that I have discovered to do it, it's, it's completely possible before you get an agent and before you 
get on the pipeline to, to traditional publishing. You are writing to please yourself. But as soon as you get on that, then that voice really rises in your head, especially for those first few books. And you're still in that, in that space. Um, and taking myself off of that has been revolutionary. And I have restarted the novel that I was 30,000 words into. I threw them all out because I had written them in my head with how is this going to be received? How can my agent sell this and make a lot of money? And I took that completely out and I'm going to, I'm going to indie publish this book, which will be the first of a series, unless I decide to give it to her and she sells it and everybody's happy. But right now I'm writing it 100% for myself. And I always hold up this post-it that says, do I like it? Is it fun? And that's what I'm writing toward now. And it's, and it's so much more freeing and I'm having such a better time. Mm, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm going to do the same little post-it. Do I like it? Is it fun? Yeah. <laughs> Courtesy Someone of my said friend Jason. years ago, he said years, years and years ago when I was first writing and, and he said, well, if you're not enjoying it, why are you bothering? And, <laughs> but I, but also I know that to complete, to, to get writing done, you also then have to go through that sort of barrier of, I don't want to do it today yeah. or I don't, you know. Uh, it's guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. So I try not to listen to that advice, uh, you know, because too much but on the other hand you know is this overall project that I'm working on at this particular moment yeah is it, is it what I want to do you know and if you life, are sitting in front of the computer short. yeah exactly life is too short and if you're sitting in front of the computer and it does suck today and you don't like it and it isn't fun then you get to ask mm. yourself the question is it just my mood which nine times out of ten it is for me and I just need to walk away or mm. have I gone down a wrong path. And I've, you know, I've, I've taken some of the fun out of this particular plot right now for me. And sometimes you just screw up and you just need to keep, keep going and get the book written so that you can then revise it. Um, but what about this other, so, so when you are thinking about what you will do next, do you mm -hmm. have an inkling about what you want to do next? What would it be the indie book or would it be the, um, claustrophobic uplet? which are two words I really like to work together. <laughs> um, I think that's the problem. I don't have the, I haven't really landed on one or the other. Um, yes, I don't have a problem. I don't have a clear idea. I tell you what I did with the, um, the indie book. I did the, so with the, both of the first two, my first book that got published mm -hmm. and the second one that, I hope will be published or hope mm -hmm. yes we'll see the light of day somehow um i wrote into it wrote uh I, I basically was a was a pantser for the first draft and then second draft i both of the books i i then applied a plot plotting yeah. system to it and that worked really well for me um and then i finally discovered save the cat um which for people who don't know is a is a I is a, is a, is a plotting system I guess is, you know, yeah. and there's lots of them around but this one I felt worked for me um, but for this indie book I've actually plotted it all out already um, using the save the cat method you know and, and I really enjoyed doing that but then suddenly it felt like oh I've done that I don't want to, now I don't feel like I need to write it <laughs> so, which is a problem for a lot of writers and um, I know that you have taken uh, Becca Simon, you've, you've worked with Becca Simon, the, the strengths, and there are some people for whom writing the outline, they need it for the scaffolding, and then they enjoy the writing, and then other people, and I am one of them, I only know this because I did it once, and it was awful, when I outlined something to the 
to, to the teeth or even to any great extent. I, my brain does, my brain that likes new shiny objects says, mm. oh no, you've already done that. You already figured that out. The, the, nothing but tedium to think about doing that. So you, if you have outlined then the indie book, what would you do to change that for you to, to add the sparkle in? Do you know? Um, I do. So um, yeah, that outline was all from one character's point of view. And I ah. do also other characters that I think could be interesting to bring into it. So they could be, and they would probably alter that outline quite it would also make it harder to write, but you know. <laughs> that's, good. that's good though. And I'm looking at your, your top 10 here and the individualization would really come in hard for that mm -hmm. um, as those characters would be talking to you. Um, your relator, the harmony, all of that would be in there. I, lo I love that you're a number one input like me, number one input. Oh, yes. So um, speaking of the, the Clifton strengths is what we're talking about right now. Right now, And if anybody hasn't heard the episode with Becca Syme, please go back and listen to that if you're interested. Um, but something that I have heard talked about with her and her people a lot is making those top traits happy. Um, mm -hmm. In your writing when, when you have your writing time or even just during your day, looking at those top traits in your top five are input, consistency, learner, harmony, and relator, and making sure that they're kind of being touched and thought about on a daily basis so that you are kind of giving yourself those energy pennies. And um, how do you, how do you, how do you treat your input right now? How do you give yourself input? The reason I keep looking over here is because I've, yep. I've got another screen with my list there. Um, my input, do you know what it's, I end up listening to a lot of author interviews, yes. which are brilliant, but also I probably could be using that time for listening or learning about things uh, that are more directly relevant to my story. You know, the, 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 um, so for example, with the claustrophobia story, um, I can't think of an example, but maybe experts, you know, interviews with experts. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to one, th one thing I like about my own input and that I see in my wife, who also has, I think she's number two input, if not number one, uh, mm -hmm. is that input likes to be given what it wants to, you know, and mm -hmm. if it, and if your input wants the podcast with the authors, if it is not harming you, if it's not stressing you out and making it harder to write, then continue oh. to give your input that and, and you could add some other things too, but, um, are you a are you a scroller on social media? Are you getting ideas from there? I mean, I, I think that a lot of input people we get a lot of out of social media. Certainly, I'm a news news uh, follower. Um, yeah, you know, I've got my news apps, uh, new, and I like to listen to the news or listen to current affairs and that sort of thing. Um, and you can get you know, that's just something I've always been. Um, I do, you know, Becca Symes always saying, put the phone away. And so I try to be, try to do that, but I am a bit of a, you know, compulsive scroller of Facebook and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I, the other way my input plays out is I can sign up for a lot of courses, which can be good. Um, or, I'll, you know, sometimes I have to, you know, have to manage it a little bit, you know, like I'll see something come through and it might say, Oh, a seminar on romance writing. And I'll be like, oh, that'd be interesting. And I have to say, Nigel, is that, is that, is that worth your money and your time? Time being the main thing. Um, 
Um, so and I you have that. Well, you have the number three learner, which is also just doing yeah. a, a number on you there. Like you always, always want to be learning. Um, so also when you come back to the indie book, you know, thinking about that, allow yourself to input toward the indie book and also learn about the people that you might be, um, taking different point of views from, for this book to kind of make it that fresh, um, fresh view into it. Do you feel like you have any, um, do you feel a high need to decide what to work on right now? Or are you comfortable in this, in this play space? Cause this play space is incredibly yeah. valuable. Yeah, that's, that's a good point actually. Um, I feel like I could actually spend a bit of time. I think, I think, I, I think it would be okay for me to have a dual path for a little while in that, um, um, you know, I can be, it's quite fun doing the dictating of my of what I wrote before because I'm really learning yeah you know uh, oh my god you know actually this story is better than I remembered it being you know it's uh, not always or, the case when we go back to our old stories no, so no, that's good no, <laughs> yeah the the, the 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 writing is is quite yeah you know oh I, I can it's it was a necessary part of my learning to write yeah. um but in terms of the story and and um you know the time in which it was set uh, it's all there you know because i wouldn't want to write this book in a, in today's time because i'm uh, because everything's changed you know it's a lot you know that whole you know i'm in my mid oh, i'm 57 and i don't live that life anymore but i did mm-hmm. live it back then so for me to try and write in 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 whatever year we are now yeah. 2022 <laughs> <laughs> uh, would be quite hard I'd have to learn a lot about you know what do people do how do they relate to each other you know yeah. uh, whereas um you know it's like when I'm reading this I'm going oh my god the, the setting is all there because I wrote it those first that first draft in 2001 2002 I'm mentioning music and I'm mentioning places that were open I don't have to do any research on that I've done I love that I lived it already you know so that's quite exciting so I could in a way I could see this as a project of digitizing that for a start mm-hmm. and also play around with some early chapters for the other one um, um i do i do feel that the indie book is is more resolved in terms of i've kind of already got a, a very very rough yeah. first draft, you know um so yeah i am i am absolutely i will just state for the record i am absolutely not qualified to coach on anything clifton related i'm just obsessed with the clifton strengths but looking at your you know number two consistency and your number nine discipline mine is like 147 on my list um i I'm, i wouldn't worry about you managing the dual projects um mm-hmm. for some people and i am one of those it's it, it's a big struggle it's a real struggle to get anything done on a if you have two or more projects, it's hard to get things done, but I, I can see you doing well at that. And I think that what I would predict for you, and I might be wrong, but what I would predict is that at some point you would get frustrated about not having as much time as you want for one of them. And one would yeah. not, you, you, and that would be how you would make the choice. One would, you would, you would want to put one aside for a little while to, to put more energy towards something, but that would be at the moment that was right for you when you knew it. Yeah. Normally, yeah. what I like to tell people is, oh, you just got to make a decision, make a decision, write one, and then you can write the next. But I'm, I'm not feeling like you need to hear that or do that. What yeah. do you think when I say that? I think, I think you're right. I think also during this conversation, 
I think I probably am leaning towards the indie thing. I am not indie surprised thing. because of the way your eyes light up every time you <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's it's like, um, you know, I, I this book was, pu- was published and I feel fantastic yeah. about it. You know, absolutely, yeah. it's my life goal. Um, and um, I do want to, I would love the second manuscript to be published by the same publishers um, and all of that, but everything that goes along with that. However, I also do listen to people who talk about indie publishing and I think, oh, that sounds really interesting. It's and so I've got fun. a very good, a couple of really good friends, uh, one friend in particular who got fed up with her traditional publisher who had parked her book, you know, the book that she was supposed to have published. And in the end, she said, look, I'm fed up with this. And she took it back. This is um, several, you know, about 10 years ago. Indie published it and hasn't looked back since. She's, mm. she's done very well with it. And um, uh, a part of me is like, I want to be in that crew as well. You know, I wonder, I'd love to have that experience of seeing where it goes and seeing, um, you know, ha- learning about how to market it and, and doing all that sort of side of things as well. Do you, you know, I was freelancing. To... Yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry. Oh no. Well, I was freelancing my journalism career for quite a long time, and I had no problem with um, looking for work, doing my taxes. You know, that sort of. It's a yeah. bit different from all the things you have to do with indie publishing, but you know, there's a certain element of you know. I like this. I like being this business side of things. I love the business side of it. Do you listen to uh, Joanna Penn's show, The Creative Pen? I have done, haven't done recently, but I have done. You may, um, you may enjoy picking her up again. Um, she's, she's my, she's my go-to for all things indie and she's always got her finger on the pulse of, you know, what's there, what's changing. And, and what I really like about her is how excited she is about mm-hmm. maintaining total control and mm-hmm. times really, 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 really have changed, you know, 10 or 12 years ago when your friend took her book back and, and self-published, she was being very brave. Mm-hmm. And she was fighting against stigma. And I, that stigma is so far gone now um, that even publishers and agents, like when I have the conversation with my agent and I tell her, I don't, you know, I'm not going to give you this one. I want to make more money. So I'm going to self-publish it there. She goes, okay, yeah, no, I get that. You know, she, they all, they all understand. They all know what's going on. Um, and readers have really never cared where they get their books, as long as they can go out and get, get the books that they want um, when they want them. So I don't know. I think, I think this sounds fun for you. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be, um, yeah, I think, I think it would be, um, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself and yeah. a lot of that pressure is, what, as I said before, what will the publisher think? What will the agent mm-hmm. think? What will people who've read the previous book think and uh, and that sort of thing and and in a way to be able to write freely and um yeah you know um this is for me you know this mm-hmm. is, this is really for me would be a nice thing I mean you know so something I would like to point out too is that uh when we started talking about the two books you were thinking about writing you said about the claustrophobia uplit book you said this would be more for trad and here's mm. a here's a large suggestion for you um mm. perhaps and you know throw this out if you don't want to but perhaps stop thinking about it like that too perhaps yeah. these are both indie books that you are writing mm-hmm. for with the full intent and excitement of publishing them yourself yes only pleasing yourself and at the very end you get to decide shall I show my agent 
But up until then, just do it for fun, just for yourself. You've already proven to yourself that you can do this and that people will enjoy your work. You have, you have that already locked in the bag. And there's a lot of newer writers listening to the show who are like, oh my God, I wish I had that. I wish I had that already. So um, maybe just playing with both projects as truly from your heart, indie, who cares? This is just what I want to write. This is the book that I would want to find in the bookstore. So I'm going to write it. That's a very good idea. Takes the pressure off of, mm. of both of them. Did you have other questions for me? Um, I am interested in the fact that you have written um, mystery, would you call them crime novels? Yeah, they're, so, uh, they're technically psychological or a domestic thriller. So they fit under the crime, crime label. Sure. So one of my big challenges I had the biggest challenge I had with my um, crime thrillers um, was this idea of, was the, the feeling that I had to get so much right in terms of, um, um, oh, well, this can't happen because um, the police will already have investigated that, or that mm -hmm. might've been caught on CCTV or um, um, technologically wise, he couldn't do that or, you know, all this sort of thing. Um, oh, well, if so-and-so discovered this here, then so-and-so said something back there. So It's the worst. <laughs> I ended up with a spreadsheet, <laughs> which, is, which was good. But, uh, yes. you know, it's like everything was yellow when it wasn't matching up. And the whole spreadsheet was a sea of yellow. And then gradually I went through and it went box by box, went green. And at the end, you know, ages later, it was like, oh, my God. I love that idea of the color-coded spreadsheet with the yellow for the problems you got to fix and the green for you have fixed them. That's wonderful. No, I, I hate it. I hated it. Um, if So I have uh, Hush Little Baby comes out in paperback. It'll, it'll already be out when this podcast is out, but it comes out in paperback. And um, if it doesn't do well, I never have to write another thriller again. <laughs> if it takes off, then of course I would have to try to figure out how to do that for the third time. But I found it exhausting overwhelming. Mm. And I would have conversations with my editor and she would point out these fallacies that, mm. that I, it, like they made sense to me when she pointed them out, but I still had trouble grokking them, you know, like, mm. wait, where, where would she then have seen the thing that she needs to see in order to do the, do the, make the phone call and the, yeah. Mm. Yeah. All of it. So it's not just me then. It's not, it's, me. it's not just you. And I think, um, but, but it's not all of them either. Like I know a lot of crime writers who, this is just the way their brain works. Um, my, I always quote my friend, Juliet Blackwell, who writes, she's a New York Times bestselling mystery writer. And she just writes them seat of her pants. She never knows who done it or what the crime is until she's writing. And she gets all the way there and she's constantly putting in red herrings automatically and do it. She just thinks that way. So for some people, I think it's easier. And for people like me, you and me, it's harder. It doesn't mean that we can't do it. Mm. Um, but I certainly enjoy it. <laughs> Personally, I enjoy it less. <laughs> would I do it for a great deal of money and people loving the books? Absolutely, I would. Um, but I do find it very difficult. And so if you're considering giving yourself a break from that and mm. stepping into another genre, do that. Yeah, because definitely. you're, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was interesting because I had a, I was in a group coaching session with Becca Syme actually at one point, mm -hmm. uh, and um, 
uh, I think we each got something like 10 minutes to ask a question or something. And, and I, I asked, I said, oh, looking at my top 10 Clifton strengths, do, do, they, do you see anything in there that um, would lean towards or away from crime writing? And she was saying, mm, I'm not seeing them being especially helpful for crime fiction or thriller, thriller writing, you know. And uh, yeah, so and ag yeah. and again, I'm not a, I'm not a certified expert, but looking at your skills here, harmony, relator, responsibility, maximizer, individualization, and communication, all of those are are heavy people skills. Mm -hmm. uh, understanding of emotion, understanding of um, how people work. Mm -hmm. And I and and from the blurbs that I read about both books, the book that is published now and the book that is um, with your publisher. Though they they seem like they are heavily weighted with emotion and true true stuff. It wow. to me it seems like you're not writing the Da Vinci Code, which is you know heavy plot 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 run 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 shoot the gun kind of thing. You are dealing with internal people stuff, yeah. and that yeah. would that would apply beautifully to either of these two books that you're talking about. Yeah, so, with yeah. with much less um, spreadsheet required. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's the part that I love the most is the, and that comes relatively naturally to me. I'd say, you know, the not the spreadsheet part, but the emotion part. No, the spread, not the spreadsheet part. But I was, I was quite proud of myself for my spreadsheet. You know, heck quite, yeah, <laughs> oh, as wow. you should be. <laughs> oh, it's all green. Oh, no, I, as you were speaking, I do actually keep a spreadsheet of my plot as I go, and I was just thinking, could I, could I apply that somehow? <laughs> even though I'm not writing a thriller of any kind. Yeah, I wonder whether I may have been from hearing you talk about a spreadsheet at some point that I may have picked up that idea, I can't remember. So helpful. I have, a, I have some kind of a pipe dream of creating a class that is all about like courting the muse, but also using a, a spreadsheet to do it. Someday mm. I'll figure out how that's gonna go together. Yeah. Any other questions for me today? Um, look, I think that's pretty much it actually. I, I, I really feel you know, I feel very honored that you've been able to take the time to talk. Not on, I, the honor in, is mine in speaking to you. Um, one thing that I will ask you about is, um, is the line that you put in your email that said, I've realized I absolutely love slash need slash enjoy slash want having someone to talk to about writing. I used to be in a great group, mm. but it fell apart due to COVID and <laughs> differences of opinion about COVID. That must've been rough. Um, so let me ask you, how, how will you grow your writing community? Mm, interesting, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm in a really good Facebook group. Um, Perfect, good. But having said that, um, it's, got, it's grown really massive now, this particular group. Um, and I feel like I need more individuals, more, you know, um, and the close friend that, I've, that I mentioned about the, who is very successful in indie publishing mm -hmm. we catch up from time to time but not enough um so really yes i need to be really helpful to find some sort of maybe i need a new writing group not sure, not sure. It, it, since you're in that facebook group you do have you know resources to pull from and the word that i have seen used and have used myself with great great success is going into a group like that and saying uh i want to start a mastermind who's in and then okay. you get a strange group of six or eight people. And then 
seven or nine people show up to the first mastermind and two never come back. And maybe the, that mastermind never really gels, but you realize that you love talking to these three people. And then mm. you coyly say, I'd like to start mastermind 2.0 on a zoom call every, you know, once a month on Tuesday night at this, at this time, masterminds for me have been both in person and on zoom have been pivotal to a lot of, um, the decisions that I have made and in, and I'm, and I'm saying this for everyone listening in a mastermind, what a lot of times happens, not, not always, I'm sure, but, uh, you get together, maybe four to six of you in a zoom room and you give everybody 10 minutes or whatever it breaks down to, to talk about their problem, whatever they're facing at that moment. And then a few minutes for everybody else to chime in does need to be driven in some way. There needs to be somebody willing to say, okay, Bonnie, let's move on to Carmel now. Um, but, and it's kind of like that thing you did the group coaching with Becca, where everybody gets 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is. And everybody is always being aided by listening to somebody else's problem. And it's sparking thoughts in their brain. And, um, it seems like that it could be something that would be really useful for you. Yeah. So it's not sort of you bring your writing along and read out your writing. And I would critique. say that would, that's, that's like my least the, the thing I would suggest no one do, um, because then you're, <laughs> then you're writing by committee and you're using non-professionals. I always like to bring my writing to editors, you know, who will help me with the work, but I don't, I don't yeah. want non-professionals to help me in case they, they, they help, you know, happily and hopefully guide me down the wrong path that I didn't need to go down anyway. Um, yeah. but masterminds are fantastic places for accountability to say, you know, I know we're not sharing pages, but I'm pledging that I will get 30 pages written by the next time we meet next month. And if oh. I don't, this is what I'm going to do. And if I do, this is my reward and let's talk about it next month. And then yeah. you have a Slack group or a dedicated, you know, email chain that is about the accountability. And then everybody, and everybody talks about something different. The key here is not to just go with whoever shakes out of the grab bag first. You know, mm. you have, it could be perfect. The, you know, the universe may bring you the grab bag of the perfect people to be with you. But if you're getting them from a large Facebook group, it may be a couple of meetups to talk about writing and you don't even call it a mastermind yet, but you say, I'd love to have, you know, a chat about writing. I miss talking about writing. Does anybody want to get together? And then from there, you send a couple of private messages that said, I really enjoy talking to you. We speak the same language. Yeah. I'm considering starting a mastermind. Are you interested? Yeah, that sounds great, actually. Yeah. yeah. And it could be that, you know, one week you might be talking about in your 10 minutes, you might be talking about, oh, I'm having a lot of self-doubt or, or yes. it might be, I've got this gnarly problem that I'm trying yes. to get this to do. Or, yes. And um, then I'm thinking about Facebook ads. Should I do that? Has anybody got any advice? Like it just goes everywhere. I've been, a, I've been a part of four different mastermind groups now, and I'm, I'm in two at the moment. And they're, um, both of the groups I'm in right now are kind of catch as catch can, and they are called into order when somebody needs them. And it's usually about once a month, somebody says, I really need help. And so the bat signal goes up and we meet, um, one is in person, one is on zoom and, and people are from all over and it's fantastic. Brilliant. Sounds so, like I've not actually come across that concept before. So, you know, yeah, it's fantastic. Yay. Cause I think you need that. I think, I think we yeah, all need yeah. that. Um, but yeah. the fact that you put it so clearly in your email too. All right. Well, what is your next action? Um, okay. My next action is, um, as you can see from my strengths, I'm number two consistency. That's and well done. Although I don't believe in the rule that you have to write every day, I don't mm -hmm. think anyone has to follow rules like that. 
I have found in my past experience that when I'm happiest is when I'm aiming to write most days of the week yeah. for half an hour is probably what I can. Perfect. So um, um, I would like I would like to get back to that um, and put in my Google Calendar these days. You know, that could be my first action to do. Uh, Will you room for? Sorry, carry on. Oh, uh, will you email me in two weeks and tell me how that is going? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's yeah. a little bit of accountability for you. And but I interrupted you. You're saying while well, leaving room in the calendar for. Well, I I think while because when I've fallen down on that before was when I put it in every day. Yeah. You know, half yeah. an hour I, every day, and I and I actually know that there's certain days of the week where that isn't going to be possible. Tuesday is one day that it can't be possible. Um. Yeah. So, uh, it's being aware while giving myself room for um being aware of what my actual limitations are that I can yeah. aim to it a certain number of days on particular days but don't yeah I find a lot of of grace from Dan Harris who has the 10% happier podcast um he talks about meditating daily-ish <laughs> you yeah, know right. da- daily-ish means a lot to me because I also I, my consistency is low but um but I like a daily-ish practice for a lot of things and uh, that that eases my mind when you know when Tuesdays happen and they have to happen. Will you, if you don't mind, tell us where? Actually, will you tell us a little bit about your book? A little bit more than I did. Um, at, what's that? This one that's already published. yes, King of the Road, please. And where uh, where we can find you as well? Yeah, sure. So King of the Road um, is available to Australian, New Zealand, and New Zealand audiences. Um, it's definitely on available on Kindle and other digital platforms still. Um, it's available in Australia via booktopia.com.au, uh, which is the Australian version of Amazon for books, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, my website is uh, nigelbartlett.com.au. Bartlett with two Cs, nigelbartlett.com.au. And if people were interested in the book who are not in Australia, New Zealand, bookdepository.com, I believe usually can send you almost any book from anywhere for free shipping. So I bet it is. Of course, you know, Amazon owns that too, because they own everything. Nigel, it's been such a treat to talk to you. Thank you so much for doing this show with me. This was so, 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 so fun. Oh, thank you. It's been fun for me and also extremely valuable and, you know, just really exciting to talk to you face to face. It's fantastic. (laughs) Cheers. Keep me posted. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.